Hello, and welcome back to Your School is Effing You, a podcast about all the ways that the modern institution of education is failing students, teachers, and democracy. I'm your host, Timothy Budd. I teach humanities and philosophy in Montreal, Quebec, in Canada. As I've been doing lately, I'd like to start with a story. The story's about you. You're a lab rat. You're a lab rat in a maze. Or maybe in a Skinner box. You need to solve the maze, navigate to the end. Or you need to press a button, or toggle a lever. And you're a good rat. You successfully find your way to the end of the labyrinth, You toggle the lever, you push the button. Maybe you do all three and in the right order. You are so successful, you become famous for your skill and knowledge. There are articles written about you, even books. People from faraway places travel to see you. They take notes, and more articles and books are written. Eventually, you are invited to the Rat Larry King live show where Rat Larry King looks deep into your eyes and asks in a serious, deep tone, What motivates you? Without hesitation, you respond, Um, cheese. Duh. As a rat, you don't give a shit about mazes, or levers, or buttons. Nor do you give a shit about success, performance, or fame. You don't even give a shit about pleasing the behaviorist who has you locked up in a cage in a lab somewhere. This story shouldn't be surprising to you. I'm sure it's not. Maybe except for the Rat Larry King part. This is just intro-level psychology. Skinnerian behaviorism. Classical and operant conditioning. If you took Intro to Psych, you probably remember the story of Pavlov's dogs. Pavlov was not originally interested in conditioning. He was actually trying to collect saliva from the dogs, which is what he was studying. But he needed a more efficient way of collecting it. Once the food was in front of the dog's face, it was pretty hard to get his sample. So he introduced the bell. Ring the bell, give them food. Ring the bell, give them food. Ring the bell, give them food. Until the dogs came to associate the bell with food such that they would begin salivating at the ringing of the bell. They didn't really give a shit about the bell. They just wanted the food. Why is this story important? Because of the end of the story that is usually told about Pavlov and his dogs in Intro to Psych. This part you may not remember as well. What happens when you stop making the association between the bell and the food? The technical term here is extinction. Simply put, they stop salivating at the sound of the bell. Why? Because they never gave a shit about the bell, only about the food. Okay, why am I telling this story? Because it gets to the heart of motivation. When you treat students like lab rats in Skinner boxes or like Pavlov's dogs, you are messing with their motivations. 
Students come to education, as they come to most things, with their own motivations. And slowly, over time, we educators tweak their motivations, directing them towards grades and other goodies, like the Dean's List or being chosen valedictorian. And we dangle these prizes in order to get them to perform yet other actions that aren't necessarily part of their own chosen motivations. But here's the rub. Students don't really give a shit about the grades, nor about the actions we have them perform in order to earn them. So that once you remove the grades, as inevitably happens once they graduate, all their learning that was based entirely on the earning of grades is extinguished. Grades don't motivate students because nobody likes to be told what to do. Welcome to episode 7, Nobody Likes Being Told What to Do. So, what exactly is wrong with treating students like lab rats? The phrase may sound bad. It may sound shitty to call students rats, but that's not an argument. And we get a lot out of lab rats. They're still an important aspect of modern empirical science. The first problem with the Skinnerian approach is that it is externalist, so to speak. That is, it emphasizes the objects of our desire, something external to us, over the desires themselves, something internal to us. Skinnerian behaviorism was new and revolutionary in its time, but certain aspects of it, like its externalism, are downright ancient. And I mean that literally. Plato treated desire much the same way, by concentrating on the objects we desire. He spoke of goods that pull or command our desire from the outside. And he distinguished three kinds of goods. Primary goods, desired for their own sake. He wants to put justice and other virtues here. We might also include health. Secondary goods, desired for the sake of something else. Money is the classic example, has no inherent value, only exchange value. And mixed goods, goods that are wanted both for themselves and for what we can get with them. The point is that Plato is really interested in asking, what should we desire? Not what is desire, or why do we desire, or how do we desire? And his answer, therefore, has to take into account the objects that just command our desire. On this interpretation, we are not in control of our desires. We are pulled, like a tractor beam, towards certain things. And Plato wants to know what those things are. In other words, for Plato, we are puppets, or lab rats. And this approach, whether we're talking about Plato or Skinner, ignores completely the fact that many of our desires 
come from within rather than from without. As a bit of an aside, apart from Plato's emphasis on the object of desire rather than the desiring subject, there's another way his approach falls short compared to the perspective of modern psychology. He has too few categories. It might not seem so at first glance. After all, Plato distinguishes primary, secondary, and mixed goods, three categories, whereas modern self-determination theory generally discusses intrinsic and extrinsic motivations, which correspond roughly with primary and secondary goods respectively. But self-determination theory also acknowledges a motivation. This is a complete lack of interest, and this is worth noting as we go forward. After all, the rat has a natural, intrinsic motivation to pursue the cheese. It is, if you like, a primary good for it. But the schoolchild is not born with a natural, intrinsic motivation to pursue grades, nor to pursue the periodic table, nor multiplication tables. In other words, we risk treating students worse than a lab rat. Okay, so why am I talking about all of this? Well, I've spent a number of episodes talking about all the things that grades don't do, can't do. They don't really track understanding, they don't conform to a curve, they can't be made reliable. But at this point, you may be asking, then how do we motivate students? There are many different and equally good answers to this question, but grades is not one of them. Not only do grades not motivate students to learn, they actually have the opposite effect. They demotivate. Let me explain. As Plato made a distinction between primary and secondary goods, modern self-determination theory makes a distinction between intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. Intrinsic motivation is basically the motivation to pursue activities that we would do regardless of what rewards or threats might otherwise be used to motivate us to do them. Obviously, different people have different preferences for different kinds of activities. Not everyone likes to play or watch sports or to camp and hike in the wild or run marathons. Differences in our preferences are important to keep in mind when it comes to education. Basically, we are suggesting that not every student is the same with the same interests. Nevertheless, we seem to be born with certain shared intrinsic motivations. Intrinsically motivated behaviors are seen in many animals whose young express playfulness and curiosity. And of course, we see the same playfulness, curiosity, and creativity in our own children. Extrinsic motivation, then, is instrumental motivation. That is, doing something for a separable outcome a reward of some sort. The most interesting aspect of intrinsic motivation for our purposes is that it seems to be related to the psychological needs for autonomy, competence, and relatedness. For now, I want to concentrate on autonomy, though hopefully you see the importance of competence and relatedness in the educational context. It seems that we take such pleasure in autonomy that when our autonomy is compromised, our interest in an activity wanes. There are some classic studies that look at this from the perspective of work and attribution theory. You take employees and their supervisors, and when you force increased surveillance on employees, 
Supervisors tend to assume their performance is motivated only by the surveillance, even when performance is the same as those employees who are not surveilled in the same way or to the same degree. In addition, and this is what is important for our purposes, employees who are over-surveilled come to the same conclusion, that their work is motivated entirely by extrinsic pressures, and that the work has no intrinsic interest for them. This is what is called the over-justification theory. The use of overly sufficient extrinsic pressures decreases subsequent intrinsic motivation. And it can be, and has been, put to the test in educational settings. Lepper and Green, together with Nesbitt, put over-justification to the test in a number of studies. They studied the engagement of children aged 3 to 5 in activities they found to be inherently interesting. You can imagine drawing, painting, playing with toys. In one study, children were divided into three groups. The first group was led to expect a reward, a certificate indicating they had done a good job. The children of the second group were awarded the certificate after the fact without having been given the expectation. The third group received no award at all. As over-justification predicts, the children of the first group showed less interest in the target activity, an activity that they had found intrinsically interesting in subsequent observations. Part of what is interesting about this study is precisely the relation between the activity and the award. The activity is subject to intrinsic motivation on its own. Given the chance, children engage in the activity anyway, so that the award is not merely a distraction, it's actively harmful. It is demotivating them from doing something they would otherwise find interesting, like drawing, painting, playing with toys. In a second study, Lepper and Green substituted the award certificate, something with dubious inherent value, for the reward of being able to play with some highly prized toys. In other words, the reward for performing some inherently interesting activity, like solving a puzzle, was some further inherently interesting activity. Perhaps, then, we would expect the positive value of the reward to have less effect on the intrinsic motivation of the subjects. But, once again, those who were led to expect the reward, even of playing with toys they'd otherwise want to play with, lost interest in the target activity on subsequent observations. The explanation? What is at play here is principally autonomy. When an action is performed for the sake of a reward that is offered as an enticement, the level of interest diminished because we value doing things that we choose to do for ourselves. We value autonomy. As a bit of a side note, Desi, who's one of the fathers of modern self-determination theory, ran the experiment with university students and money in 1971. So for the parents out there who reward your children with cash rewards, be careful. You may get your child to perform for now, but you may compromise not just their long-term performance, but also their long-term interest, which I would argue is more important. 
There's a lot more to say on the topic of motivation and rewards, and this overlaps with questions of creativity. It also overlaps with the importance of asking students what they find interesting, and then trying to link that to other topics that educators may think are important bits of curriculum. And there are further subtleties linked to convergent and divergent thinking. These are all important and worth returning to. But for now, I simply want to note that grades treat students like rats in mazes. I'm not simply making a moral claim here. This is what the research indicates. And as with the lab rats and Pavlov's dogs, the minute we take away the rewards, the minute we take away the grades, students no longer give a shit about what we're teaching them unless we link it to things they find inherently interesting. We need to tap in to their intrinsic motivation. And as a final note, the introduction of extrinsic rewards not only diminishes intrinsic interest, a massive problem in education all on its own, it also diminishes performance and creativity. But we'll save those topics for another episode. For now, just remember, grades ruin everything. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you're enjoying the conversation, please consider sharing with your students, your teachers, your colleagues, your friends, your family. If you have questions or comments, feel free to email me at yourschoolisfnu at gmail.com. Since the fall semester has now begun, my plan is to produce one episode every two weeks rather than an episode every week. So I'll see you in two weeks. Intro and outro music is Don't Let It Rain by Old Savannah. Change.